0: Welcome to our final presentation for this year's graphic novel symposium and um, it almost didn't happen because I screwed up the time so I want to thank these guys for being so flexible and coming in and still be willing to uh, present and record and go from there. So I'll do quick intros this is, uh, I'm talking about graphic novels and their use as tools um, to teach diversity which is fantastic one of the things we like to do or want to do through our library Uh, we have educators Eric Callenborn. Ronal Whitaker and Claire Overton from just down the street. These are neighbors from some of our feeder schools, um, Allenby Shepherd High School and Eisenhower. So lots of students come from there. Probably many students in the hallways who would know you guys, I'm sure. So
1: yeah, we were looking for them, actually.
0: They're, yeah, they're, they're hiding. They'll pop up. They'll see you online, <laughs> leave comments. So with that, thank you all very much for doing this. And I'll turn it over, turn it over to you. Thanks for
1: having me. I'm so happy to be here for this topic specifically. It's one of my passions in comics. Uh, it's one of the things that I, I really try to engage my professional learning community and others with because it's something that you know is um, really important to me. One of the things that I found as a comic reader growing up was um, I was always looking for myself in these books. Like that was kind of like the biggest thing I, I, I could I could look for. So I gravitated towards characters like Chuck from Archie or uh, you know, any, anyone with brown skin, really. I was like, oh, that's me, I'm in that thing. And, and it always uh, kind of captured my imagination. So when I became an adult and I, I started to see the impact that inclusion and representation has in literature, I started to really understand just why I was gravitating towards those uh, you know, minority characters, people of color, and things like that. So I'm really happy to be here for this. We're gonna talk about uh, using comics, especially in the classroom, as tools of diversity, or to teach diversity, but also, I mean, just in life and in general. We have a couple of um, sources that we use to kind of back that up as well. Uh, what, um, well, how do you wanna start this off, right, Eric? Well,
2: uh, we can just introduce ourselves a little bit further. Um, uh, right up here, uh, I'm Eric Allenborn, and you can find me at the website. I'm at theothercomicbookteacher.com, and as you can see, Ronell is thecomicbookteacher.com. <laughs> I got there first, so we <laughs> when he was, I'm like, "What's your website?" And he's like, "Thecomicbookteacher.com." I'm like, "Well, I guess I'll be theothercomicbookteacher.com."
3: <laughs> I was left with nothing.
2: <laughs> Claire's gonna be the, the other, other, the other, other. <laughs> it's just gonna, it's just gonna keep going for a lot of others. Uh, and then you can follow us on Twitter at. at at
1: comics underscore teacher, and I'm at Mr. whitaker M-I-S-T-E-R Whitaker.
2: And, and and Claire is on Twitter. She just doesn't remember what her <laughs>
3: what her handle is. I don't is. remember what my handle is. That so yeah. wouldn't be great.
2: <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, so we've been Ronell and I have been presenting on just graphic novels in general, primarily for the classroom. I mean, this presentation isn't going to solely focus on uh, in the classroom, but we've been presenting for about three years now, starting in the National Council of Teachers of English uh, conference in Vegas uh, three years ago and then we've been around the country to pretty much every major comic book convention at this th- uh, by this time San Diego we've done New York Seattle uh, Denver uh, just to room full room filled of teachers who want to know more information about comics in the classroom and it kind of as our group becomes more diverse and uh, we try to then reach out and kind of talk about diversity in comics and we teach very diverse groups of students our our socio-economic makeup of the schools we teach at is extremely diverse at my school we have from students who live in multi-million dollar homes to students who uh, could possibly be homeless and they're in the same classroom so what do you do when you're faced with those challenges and that's kind of what we do as well you want to add anything to that Claire
3: Uh, yeah this so last year was my first year at um, Eisenhower I moved into the district Um, I think I don't even remember how we got connected I think at a teacher fair um, I saw Eric with uh, Teaching, uh, teaching to read through comics or something like that. Reading through comics, some, a book.
2: No, it was the it was the, the teacher, the new teacher meeting that I was running, and then you told me that you taught the Killing Joke. I remember that moment, which was like yeah. it's a crazy Batman book, and I was like, "What? You taught the Killing Joke?"
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I had I've taught maybe I think four districts total now, um, and I've just been I I had been using graphic novels simply because I saw um, how engaged my students were in the graphic novels, and I I noticed that I could teach a lot of the same themes, a lot of the same issues um, were, that are found in classic stories are still found in graphic novels, but all of a sudden I had students who wanted to read them, and students who wanted to discuss it, and students who wanted to complete reading um, outside of the classroom, which when I was teaching the classics didn't always happen, so um, I'd been teaching kind of graphic novels, doing it by myself um, just because I saw what would happen in my classroom, and i these two using them, and all of a sudden we got connected. Um, so I've just I've been enjoying the last year getting connected with the group. So.
2: And, w- and we've been presenting on on all sorts of things, and having kind of a female join our ranks, and because we would go to presentations and talk about graphic novels um, and their like female readership, and we're like, we're just a bunch of dudes talking about <laughs> this. It added so much more credibility when Claire can kind of come on and and speak to that as well.
1: And not just that, Claire is awesome because <laughs> she's kind of a uh, I notice this is the, the, the Claire Love fest right now,
0: <laughs> but Thanks, but guys. you're
1: awesome because you are like kind of a novice to comics in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Claire's like a really good proxy for teachers out there who are like, I've never taught with a comic, and we go, neither did she before, and and mm-hmm. now it's it's a tr- it's a really transformative um, thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So basically, what we're gonna chat about for the m- the majority of
2: the presentation today is. Current trends in comics that, that focus on diversity. What's what's come up in the past few years uh, that kind of focuses on this new diversity angle in comics? Because it's really changed greatly over the past like five years or so. And then uh, you know dealing with comics of a, of a complex nature. Wh- what do we what do we do when we come across comics that maybe questioned, maybe banned? We're going to talk about the Comic Book Defense League's uh, top twelve, some couple of the top twelve banned or questioned books um, of this year that they've just posted for uh, Banned Books Week, so that's going to be pretty interesting. And then in our libraries and in our classrooms, what what sort of issues do we face?
1: Ronald, you want to take this one? Yeah, I mean, what what we've noticed, especially from the major publishers, is there's a huge push to try to get um, you know underrepresented readership. So they want to get more females reading or women reading. They want to get more people of color. They want to get uh, more people from the uh, gay, lesbian, transgender and questioning uh, group as well. So that they're going to have to incorporate more of those uh, characters. Um, so what's happened is we've gotten a black Spider-Man, or to be clear, a half Hispanic, half uh, black Spider-Man. We've gotten uh, black um, Captain America. We've gotten Lady Thor, who's just Thor. Don't call Lady Thor because that angers me and other people. Um, And we've got a a ton of different people trying to reach out and say, hey, look, if you love comics, or you grew up reading comics, and you want to try to find this way to get back into it, hey, you're a part of this community now, too. Uh, Which is, I mean, right on time, because women are making a resurgence back in the comics. They're about 46% of the readership right now. Um, Which people are are acting, you know, kind of surprised by that. But when comics were popular way back in the 40s, women were the majority readers, or girls were the majority readers of comics. I mean, they were the main ones. Because a lot of the comics were um, romance comics and, uh, you know, just comics of adventure that they got a chance to get into more than the boys did. Uh, but now that there's this resurgence happening, the big three, the DCs and Marvels and images of the world are reaching out a lot more. Uh, and it's kind of leading to this new renaissance of um, inclusion in a lot of ways.
2: A lot of m- I, I have uh, a couple students who haven't read much this year and they don't like writing much they don't like doing a whole lot but when I exposed uh there's this one student African-American student who uh, I told the class that Spider-Man is now this eighth grader who's uh half black half uh Puerto Rican and he was like what who is this let me see this and he took the first issue from me and he's read every single Miles Morales issue of Spider-Man that exists and he keeps asking me for more and I'm like dude there's no more yeah You've read it all. You've read every single Miles Morales issue there is, and then he shared that with a couple of his friends in the class, and like, dude, you got to read this. So I have these three boys in my class who, maybe I found it hard to engage at first, fell in love with this with Miles Morales, and 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 like Ronnell said earlier, sometimes we just want to find ourselves in the medium, and this student definitely did, and really kind of gravitated towards towards Miles Morales, and it was awesome to see. Uh, here's. Here's the Lady Thor, <laughs> the Thor, the, the new one. Thor on the right that Ronelle was talking about. I have female students. I have the, the trades of the, of, the, of the new Thor in my classroom, and my female students take it, and they love it, and they want more. Uh, it's becoming a very expensive hobby for me teaching comics because my kids always want the next trade and the next issue, and I'm not going to say no so I end up buying it. Um, And to the left is the new Miss Marvel. A new Miss Marvel, also very, very hip to to the teen culture. Uh, She is a high school junior or senior, one of the two. Junior. Junior, and she is a Muslim Pakistani girl who lives in New York dealing with all of the issues...
1: She lives in Jersey. Oh, Jersey. I'm sorry. My <laughs> bad.
2: My bad. I, I'm not even going to say close enough. She lives in Jersey, and she's dealing with all of the issues that a high school girl would deal with, uh, family issues, boyfriend issues, and now she's a superhero.
1: And they also incorporate parts of her culture, too, which I think are awesome in, in, in uh, those books.
2: Yeah, a lot of the conflicts with her family and friends and boyfriend come from just cultural beliefs, which is, which is really neat. And a lot of my students, boys as well, love... The new Miss Marvel and kind of enjoy seeing these new cultural diversity here.
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you read either of these, Claire Squirrel Girl or uh, Lumberjane? No,
3: I've heard plenty. I've pr- I've heard plenty of yeah. uh, girls who love them. I just haven't read them yet.
1: I am in love with Lumberjanes. Lumberjanes is my favorite book right now and probably one of my favorite of all time. I always when I try to sell it to people, I say it's. The Goonies meets The Breakfast Club meets Babysitter's Club. But like everyone in that, that, that book is so amazing. And they find ways to, to be um, inclusive of, of different races and genders and sexualities. But it's natural. Like it's just no one is their gender. No one is their sexuality. It's just you're a character. And it's probably the most fun book I've read in a long time. And I, I I can't say enough about that book. And then we have Squirrel Girl, which is, I mean, it's mind blowing <laughs> how this this character. M- my favorite thing about her is uh, one of the scenes. She comes uh, she comes in and says she fights Galactus. I'm sorry, I'm gonna nerd out people. Well,
2: we got to talk about her powers, right? Squirrel yeah. Girl has the the powers of a squirrel, so <laughs> and, and she, she can s- and she talks to squirrels, and so gathering. she can summon squirrels <laughs> and, sh- and the power of gathering. the power of <laughs> yeah. gathering and she's and she's kind of strong
1: and she's this this college student at a very columbia university-esque school and uh she's just tough and you, you couldn't tell her that she's not the best superhero in the world she fights the biggest baddest uh villain galactus and she she comes up to him and says look i like to eat nuts and kick butts and i'm all out of nuts and then she goes right after that guy and she's hilarious uh and a, a great i think just character not a female character, just a great character
2: and that book's picking up a lot of steam. Uh, people, it, it's in a lot of top ten lists. My students also love that, a- and we're showcasing a lot of these female characters that haven't been really in existence until recently, which is amazing for this. Like Ronnell said, forty-seven percent readership uh, of female comics readers these days. And a couple more titles. Uh, have you guys taught? You've taught I Kill Giants, right? Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we we selected these. Um, this, there could have been a number of covers uh, put with this slide, about 50% readership for females. Um, these are just two that we selected. I Kill Giants is one that we use in our classrooms. It's, um, it's a story with a female protagonist. Uh, she's, I, she's in sixth grade, um, and she's like the, the outsider. She's like the perfect outsider um, character type, the trope. Um, she deals with a lot of issues on her own, and you kind of see the pitfalls of that, but um, it's unique because it tells the story of this sixth grade girl who essentially is, is fighting the idea that her mom is dying of breast cancer. Um, so you can see that there's some really spoiler adult- Spoiler alert. Oh, <laughs> spoiler. Um, you can see that there's some really adult themes happening, um, ar- things that students love to discuss and things that students see in their, um, in their lives, no matter what their race or ethnicity, uh, that they can discuss and they can read um, because we can give it to them in the form of a graphic novel and we can see a girl deal with it um, on the pages and then we can discuss how we can deal with it in lives. And I think that's a really powerful thing um, that we bring to our students um, in talking about tolerance to be able to talk about issues that maybe you haven't faced but that we know others do. Um, this one summer is another book. I haven't taught this one, um, but I know that it's one that we recommend and will and we'll be in our library for um, one of the books Uh, books of the month that we recommend this is another story where it's a a female protagonist and this is a classic coming-of-age story Um, it's unique because it tells the story of of two girl best friends who are dealing with um, uh, everything you would expect a teenage girl to deal with but it's told in the form of a graphic novel um, that gets a lot of just that female readership there um, and gives them the type of choices they want to see in graphic novels
2: this one summer is actually on the commonly banned YA list. Why would it be clear on that list? I haven't read it yet. I have it, but I haven't read it. Any ideas?
3: I spo- can I give more spoiler alerts? Yeah, go ahead, go for it. Uh, the language here, when they're when they're talking, uh, just the the two girls when the parents are gone, it's very realistic to um, how teens would talk to each other. So the language there is going to be an issue. Um, they're also obsessed with boys. Um, so the girl is constantly one of the the. The lead girl, um, the protagonist, is constantly trying to uh, impress a guy, and she goes to some pretty extreme measures to <laughs> to uh, impress him. So, I would say, sexual content and language gets it on the ban list. But it's again, it's so realistic to what um, to what teens think about and what they do.
2: We talk about the struggles too of of teaching some of these books. Uh, I Kill Giants. I remember back in the day. Our district we had a little bit of a problem teaching that book yeah. this was a while ago because one on one page in, in in one of the panels a bully calls our protagonist a bull dyke
1: no, and it's the other way around actually
2: oh that's right the the that's right the girls tired of being bullied and she calls the bully a bull dyke and it's one time it appears one time on the page and they're like you can't teach that book like it says this word I'm like we're like what yeah,
1: it, it was one of the titles that I wanted to put into our, our curriculum and that was their big reason for it. Which again, I understand language can be a problem when you're trying to get a book in front of kids. Um, but it, it's no one does this to catch her in the ride, though. And Holden Caulfield, for everything else that he is, uh, I'll not call him any other word, but he's definitely a jerk who uses some really strong language that they're like, oh, that's fine, because it's canon now. Uh, I think one of the things we kind of push for is to give our kids the opportunity to experience story through a bunch of different protagonists, and they're not from books written by a bunch of dead white guys. Because these people are still alive, at least, and and, and it's it's a varied, um, it's a varied uh, list of protagonists that they get to kind of experience through th- life through. I guess is what I'm trying to get to.
2: This also, we're talking about we're getting close to uh, just like a lot of the current stuff that's out right now, this image to the left is from a book called Captara. It's an image book that's that's also picking up some steam. It's wildly crazy. I would never use it in my classroom just because it's uh, it's too crazy for the classroom. But it is an amazing story. And our protagonist is a scientist, astronaut, black guy who's also gay. <laughs>
1: I love how black guy is one of his jobs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, well being gay is not a job either. It's just, it's just a scriptor. So, but he has all of these things uh, about him, but none of them are really mentioned, which I think is super cool. When we did, we did a panel at San Diego, and one of the people in the audience asked us about books to kind of help kids deal yeah. with like LGBT issues and things like that. And of course, I said I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily use this in a high school classroom, but I did bring this title up because one of the coolest things about the book is that i think in one the first or second issue it's like briefly mentioned in passing that he's gay and then never again in like the six issues that are seven issues that are out they don't really mention it again and i thought that that was that was super neat cuz usually back in the day if if a character was gay they would kind of exploit that trait a little bit but it's not like that the current trends are like this is this is just accepting and it's really cool the next one here is a couple panels from Wonder Woman Wonder Woman actually offici- uh, officiated uh, a gay wedding recently and that was cool <laughs> so just kind of exposing us to the different sort of uh, diversity trends that are coming up in
1: comics do either do either of you want to say anything to either of these Well I mean I, I think the best part I think the reason why we're up in name and titles because people always ask us what books can we use for X, Y and Z and I think the amount of titles we're giving out are just giving people the opportunity to say, hey, look, here's a way to experience this story and experience this thing that's outside of who you are. And I think that's one of the things we love the most about comics is that opportunity to see a different point of view, but also we, we can go really fast. Like, we go through comics quickly in our class which kind of gives us a chance to really discuss the themes there and really delve deep yeah. into them. So when you get to a book like Captar or even if you look at something like Wonder Woman just accepting uh, someone else's uh, beliefs. The kids can go, oh, okay, that's a thing, and then they move past it just as fast. Um, but I don't think we give students enough credit for being that resilient uh, because, you know, as teachers, a lot of times, we have to kind of plan to plan for the disaster. But what ends up happening is they go, oh, okay, and they move past it. I also want to hit real quick, the Kaptara book, although it's kind of like a, a book we wouldn't put in our classrooms, they're one of the ones that we kind of, send to our pushers out there, our librarians. We go, listen, I can't teach this book to you, but there's some really cool people who <laughs> have this <laughs> book down the hall, and you can read it on your own. I just can't give it to you. So I, I think like that's where a book like that comes in. You know, Our librarians of the world are like the ones who kind of slide it to <laughs> <and> them <laughs> and be the cool person in that.
3: I think move ahead. Move ahead, too. No yeah, one more. No more, more. All right, so um, this is kind of maybe a a, a slightly different angle on diversity and tolerance, but we wanted to highlight some of the books that we use that also just teach um, different cultural experiences as an idea to bring in diverse authors and and have diverse voices in our classrooms, uh, people who we otherwise wouldn't hear from often. Um, So this is kind of like the standard, um, I think, when when people (laughs) think about diverse voices in graphic novels, um, you're going to think of Persepolis because it was kind of groundbreaking. And a lot of, I think a lot of teachers who um, never thought graphic novels were legitimate, was legitimate literature, were convinced when they picked up Persepolis. Um, I just, we, I picked one uh, panel out of the book uh, to show just some of the, if you haven't read it, some of the ideas that are presented um, in the book. But it's really showing the struggle of a young girl to understand who she is in the face of a culture and a revolution that's continually changing um, her life and her family's life. Um, and she's always trying to find um, where she fits in the middle of this um, revolution as she's growing up. So this, uh, this one panel just kind of shows that, that she's um, almost, she feels like she's divided and her identity is, um, is cut in half because of the forces that she lives in. Um, and I think it's a great way, when. when I, I taught this book when it first came out, um, and I was absolutely—I'd never at that moment found um, found any, uh, like symbolism to be very easy to teach to kids. Um, but it was through her artwork that I was finally able to say, like, look, look at the symbolism in this picture. What does it show? Um, where students could really discuss it at a higher level, and it was great because it was a voice that um, otherwise would not be heard in our classrooms. Um, about the revolution so there's one would you like to speak to another
2: book that's also on the uh, cbldf constantly banned or protested books is persepolis and it's i mean it's silly uh those of us that have read it if you if you read it you it's a beautiful book um and and the fact that people have a problem with with the the culturalness of it uh it's It's kind of ridiculous. And I think this, you know, CBLDF puts that list out and they focus on, like last year they just focused on graphic novels for Banned Books Week. And this year they're focusing on YA novels. And and then they kind of like do a media blitz to say, like, look, these are the types of books that that we're saying no to and why. You know, this one, Summer, was on there. This book is on there. Um, Did you want to say anything about Persepolis Renault?
1: I mean, I I just wanted to kind of point out more what CBLDF, the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, does. Uh, if anyone out there has an issue with a challenge, uh, they're a really good resource to go to to kind of find help to <coughs> get beyond that. Um, this book was, was <coughs> placed on that list by our other neighbors, CPS, uh, That they were the ones who challenged it. Uh, it was uh, going to be, uh, uh, it was the, the one book for Chicago at, at one point, and then uh, they took it off the seventh grade, I think seventh grade reading list, I can't remember, uh, and that was the year when it just kind of broke broke uh, loose there. Um, but, I mean, it's an amazing book. And like Claire said, I think the most of the value of it is the opportunity to get to see that other side, to see that other voice.
2: Go ahead. Mouse, uh, one of mm-hmm. the uh, the only book, that graphic novel to ever win the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, Art Spiegelman's telling of his father's journey through the Holocaust, a very moving book. Uh, story of cat and mouse A- and at this point I, I assume that everybody kind of knows mouse but in some of the presentations we've done p- some people still haven't seen this book which which is really shocking to me because it's kind of like I don't know I guess some people still haven't read what like Romeo and Juliet either but it's kind of like that kind of iconic sort of graphic novel text and this, uh, pe- this is on the CBLDF commonly banned book list as well <laughs> because it says it deals with um, uh, like cultural, cultural issues, like it, it, it views cultures in, in negative ways, but really it's, it's Art Spiegelman kind of telling the story of his father in the Holocaust, and he does it with uh, the, the Germans as cats and the Jewish people as mice, and I guess some people may have a problem with that, but it's coming from a, a, a place of, of cultural significance and, and cultural reality. And this, this is a picture that I, that I always start off talking with my students. It's, it's such a powerful image, and, and, and comics and, and images can teach these ideas of acceptance and adversity so differently than, than words on a page could when you, when you talk about Art Spiegelman trying to deal with the fact that he doesn't feel connected to his heritage because he has to wear a mouse mask. You can see it tied in the back. And he's smoking this cigarette with the guard tower kind of looming over him because he feels the pressure of trying to represent what his family went through without really having gone through it himself. It's just, it's just an amazing book uh, to help students see the different ways in which people can deal with these sort of diverse and difficult issues. Anything else on my
3: no, the only thing I was going to say is I love, the, I love the tagline on the bottom of the book, My Father Bleeds History. I love it. Yeah, wow. Love it.
2: Yeah, once again, we, we, we talked about this before that, you know, Persepolis and Mouse were uh, on the list of the 12 commonly challenged and banned YA books to help kick off the, bu- the CBLDF's uh, Banned Books Week. So if you get a chance, go to cbldf.org and check out uh, all of the cool things they have on their website.
3: Um, So this is kind of a different idea. We've talked a lot about um, ethnicity so far and and where we find it in graphic novels um, or comics. This was a fact um, I pulled up yesterday. Um, It says approximately six million U.S. students aged six to 21 are served under the Individuals with Disabilities and Education Act, or IDEA, as uh, most educators would know it. Um, Do the percentage on that, and that's 9.1% of all U.S. students in that age range, um, would be found with a disability under IDEA. Um, So the question I thought about was, um, does our literature reflect our students? Does it truly reflect all of our students and all the differences that are really found in our classroom? We've talked a lot about ethnicity, um, but do we reflect our student body as well? Or does our literature reflect our student body? this wasn't uh, just a question that I had to, to find some, some probably better evidence or some better ideas about it. I looked at the um, American Library Association um, and a study that they conducted uh, in 2012, and what they found was that a lot of, um, a lot of people with disabilities are portrayed in um, similar ways. Uh, the first way in popular media it's portrayed is just pitiful pitiful and pathetic. Think of like the Tiny Tim um, in media, somebody who uh, with a disability, we should pity them and help them and they are in need of assistance at all times. Um, people with disabilities are often projected with um, as an object of violence, so something that is done unto them. Um, Scarlett O'Hara, when she was uh, blind in Dark After Midnight, is the like absolute um, object of violence throughout the entire film. And that's really her only role, um, sinister or evil. I think this is probably where um, most people would think, like when you look at that picture of somebody uh, in a wheelchair, like that's, that's what we know, Well, that's sinister or evil. And we could probably think of a lot of different um, characters who would otherwise look like that or, or fill that role of sinister and evil um, because they sit in a wheelchair when we think of it in popular media. Um, atmospheric, that's um, a trope that means they basically take up the background. Um, don't play large roles. Um, this would be like the blind musicians in the background of a film. Um, laughable. Mr. Magoo, I would say, would p- probably be the largest laughable character with his um, blindness and that walks over the edges of buildings only to be caught by, I don't know, another edge of a number of building or something or an um, umbrella. And the last kind of um, idea of people with disabilities in popular media would be non-sexual. So they're never the characters who are the love interest. They never have love interests of themselves. They are never seen in a sexual way. Um, leave that for the protagonists in popular media. Um, so that's how we, we've kind of seen disabilities portrayed in, in TV or movies. The same idea um, the American Library Association asked was, how are they presented in graphic novels? Do we see um, tolerance? Do we see diversity in graphic novels then if we don't see it in popular media? I
2: think, well, I think that you know, we're starting to see characters with, I mean, I look at that picture, I don't think Sinister, I think Professor X. <laughs> you know, as, as somebody who's, who's more of a, a comics fan, um, I see that really strong character of Charles Xavier in the wheelchair. And, and I think there's a lot of graphic novels now that kind of deal with the strength of disability, and, and there's even some superheroes uh, that are that are coming up the pipeline that that deal with. I mean, look at Daredevil's blind, right? I mean, he he deals with his disability very well. Um, what are the, what are a couple others, Rhino? Right Can you think of any?
1: Uh, I mean, this is not so much of a positive because it was uh, Barbara Gordon was in a wheelchair for quite some time, but there was kind of an uproar when they took her out of the wheelchair. She became Batgirl again. Um, they still kind of harken back to uh, her days in the wheelchair. Uh, her new kind of sidekick uh, has muscular dystrophy. And um, she's kind of an integral part. But it's interesting what Claire found. Uh, Barbara spends a lot of her time. I'm talking about like she's a real person, sorry. Uh, Batgirl spends a lot of her time like trying to protect her friend. Uh, she doesn't want her to get hurt. so She kind of falls into you know, one of these helpless tropes. But the, the way these writers are handling her, though, they're saying, no, she's strong. She can fight on her own, and she, she constantly proves it, and it's never uh, about her disability. It's just about uh, Barbara being afraid of losing someone. So I, I think there are strides being made, but people with disabilities are really underrepresented in, in, <laughs> in mass media, and, and especially in comics as well. Uh, I think Claire has a couple of examples. Um.
3: Yeah, so the, um, the next slide. Actually, this is um, the research questions from the American um, Library Association of of what they were really looking for. And again, this is in 2012. Uh, They asked, do graphic novels include individuals with disabilities, first of all? How often do they appear? Um, If disabilities are present, what disabilities were most often featured? What is the gender and ethnicity of individuals with disabilities, and is there a positive portrayal of a person with a disability? So they conducted a study. Yeah. They conducted a study. They collected, um, first they picked 60 novels um, that were all uh, represented as as well-read literature and recommended for young adults. From those 60, they blindly took 30 novels to read um, to look for those answers to the questions. Um, What they found from those 30 novels um, was that 12 included one character with a disability, so almost half, um, which is a pretty high number. Especially when you, cons- when you consider that it's, we would expect maybe 9% um, given the ratio of how many of our students have disabilities in our classrooms. So actually it's uh, probably overrepresented in graphic novels. They found that three of the characters uh, from the 12 had visual impairments, three had orthopedic <coughs> impairments, two had emotional disturbances, and one had a specific learning disability. Um, so collectively there's nine out of the 12 and, and what the disability was. What they found um, from the young adult literature was that there's it, it wasn't great when it came to uh, disabilities portrayed in graphic novels. Um, they found that there's actually largely um, the females who were uh, featured with disabilities were largely helpless or were that pitiful pitiful trope. Um, they found that it was if if uh, men were represented, they were the often uh, with the negative evil, sinister stereotype. Um, You could think of, like, when it comes to the orthopedic um, impairment, I'm not entirely sure sure which uh, graphic novels they selected, but I'm thinking it has to be something with, like, a pirate, um, or possibly, I don't know, I'm thinking of the Captain Hook arm, maybe, (laughs) I don't know. Um, But what they found wasn't great, um, was that there's still largely a negative portrayal of students with disabilities. And it becomes a problem because um, we know we have students and there's so much readership um, happening with students who have disabilities, um, who are also trying to find themselves in the comics. And what does that mean if they are not the protagonist, if they do not have the love interest, um, if they're largely sinister or evil or helpless or are only known in the graphic novel because of their disability, as opposed to being a fully rounded character. So these results, based off of the thirty, weren't great. But like we were saying before, um, things have changed. Um, there are more and more novels getting written today um, than ever before, and there are a lot of titles that really dispel uh, what graphic novels have done with um, people with disabilities. I think the next couple slides have some of those.
1: Yeah, El Defo is a great example of this. See, um, uh, it's 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 how many awards has it won up to this point now? definitely won all, most of the comic awards, like the Harveys of the world, the Ignatius of the world. Um, and it, it's made its way into a lot of classrooms because of its positive portrayal. I mean, it, it's a semi-autobiographical slash autobiographical book about a, a, a young girl who has a hearing impairment. And I think you know the author here is kind of talking about how comics was the perfect medium for her to express growing up with a hearing, hearing impairment because she could visually show what it was like to uh, grow up with that particular uh, disability. Um, from you know when she took her hearing aids off, and she had to try to lip read, she could show that visually. And w- when we've seen that to shown that to kids, it's kind of like like this. This light bulb goes off for a lot of. Them. They go, oh, that's what it's like, <laughs> because we all we don't know what it's like to live in someone's shoes unless we you know hear their story. And I think this made this particular disability. Um, Really accessible for a lot of our kids
3: I think I think it's great too that it's um, it's really written for a young um, young reader which has some really powerful ideas and it can impact somebody incredibly young Um, so they might be able to find themselves and people might be able to understand them um, even better at a younger age so Um, epileptic have have either of you guys ever no.
1: I haven't. It's been on my list for a long time.
3: Mm-hmm. This is a great story. Um, this is a story of, um, it's again autobiographical, the author um, h- his brother had epilepsy or has epilepsy and this is just a novel that um, shows how his life was impacted and how others impacted his brother's life um, and how people came to understand his brother and how he came to understand his brother um, through the disease or through the mm, il- illness? 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 Yeah um it's great because it brings a lot of awareness to an issue I think that a lot of students don't otherwise understand or don't um, get when they see it um, in the student body and this really just brings again that avenue of awareness um, and tolerance and it allows us to discuss ideas about um, things that it like impact our students every day I think this last one is um, kind of it's another it's a different um, it's a a, it's a voice we wouldn't hear from often. This is an author who um, has spina bifida himself and he wrote this graphic novel about what it's like um, to live life with this condition, how he sees himself and how others see him and his art really shows that, um, how his body has changed and um, how his self-awareness changes and how others, really, um, how others really lack to understand who he is and how, um, how he goes about his life.
1: I think this kind of gets to our, the crux of why we're here and what we're talking about. The whole point of, of using the, these comics is to use them as tools to kind of expose kids to others' uh, experience. Um, that's really all it is. It's giving people the opportunity to live through someone else's story, and, and that makes that reality that much more um, not, not only easier to tolerate, because tolerance sounds like, oh, it's hiding. I'm going to tolerate this. I think it's more w- we're <laughs> we're gonna accept other people's li- uh, uh, you know choices or lives or you know what they're going through and, and really you know try to understand it a lot more. Um, these are three books that I uh, picked. Um, I am not the target demo for a Gem and the Holograms comic book. Uh, if, if people don't know, Gem and the Holograms was this '80s TV show uh, about this you know band of, of females or women. I'm sorry. Um, and one of the girls, or ladies, what am I doing? Has, <laughs> a, has, has an issue with, you no know, stage fright, or whatever. So, so she has this alter ego. This also, by the way, has the notable uh, side note of teaching me like that. The, I always thought the Misfits were just like this girl group. I grew up to be an adult, and I see the Misfits are not a girl group. It's a whole other punk band. But um, this book is amazing. It's written by um, a, a woman named Kelly Thompson, and the artist is Sophie Campbell. Sophie Campbell is a transgender artist. Uh, I used to read her books before her transition. um, And what her biggest push is, she draws very realistic um, women. Uh, Everyone has different shapes and sizes and colors. And this book really celebrates that. Uh, Kevin Keller is probably one of the only books uh, in the beginning to feature a openly gay character. He had his own book for quite some time. And when people think Archie, they don't, they don't think, oh, books for social change. But Archie is always, they tend to be on the cusp of that kind of stuff. So Kevin Keller was an openly um, gay character who had his own book for quite a amount of time. And he actually got married in one of the Archie books. And that was one of a, a record-breaking um, uh, titles that, that sold that year. Uh, Alison Bechtel. If you don't know who Alison Bechtel is, you do know who Alison Bechtel is, because you all thought of the Bechtel test. Uh, you think about a book, whether or a piece of media, whether it passed the Bechtel test. Um, and she is the one who invented this idea of uh, you know, a, a book has to feature, or a, any piece of media has to feature uh, of two female characters who speak to one another, that's one. And it's not about another man or anything like that. I mean, and then it passes the Bechtel test. Um, she is, right now, she's a MacArthur genius. So, never thought we'd say that about someone who writes comics. Uh, Her play recently won, not a Tony, I think it might have won a couple Tonys, but I think it was up for Pulitzer uh, as well. Now there's a play uh, based on this this book. It's about her uh, growing up uh, questioning her own sexuality and then finding out once her father commits suicide that he was also hiding his true sexuality. It's an amazing book. Anyone who says that they're into stuff like Tennessee Williams, um, they would love, 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 love this book. Uh, I can't stress enough that we can't use it in our classrooms because there's some nudity happening there, at least for high school people. But that's when we send them to the cool people, to the library, and say, hey, you should read this book.
2: But that's just Fun Home, right, Ronald? Right I mean, Jem, you said Jem's totally appropriate. Jem is
1: all ages. And Kevin Keller? Kevin, oh, it's Archie, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all ages. I'm yeah. sorry, yeah, Fun Home is the one that's kind of uh, objectionable. Um, but yeah I think that's kind of the point like I I put these books in the hands of kids who are like "Eh, I'm not sure and then they just get drawn into story it's not about so much um you know sexuality or gender it's more just about oh this is just a really good book and then they they start to love it because of that
2: I have a I teach a comics class at the high school I teach at and um I have a podcast that I'm recording and I'm going to be publishing uh, the first like five six issues or episodes recorded. I just have to edit them and get them on the web. But the first episode we did in my first period class, it was six girls talking about female issues in comics, and they read they read the Lumberjanes and the Batgirls and the Miss Marvels, and they read all of that, and then just had like a, a fantastic. I can't wait to get it up because the discussion was fantastic. Um, but one of the things I told them that kind of really kind of inspired them to get into it was that, and I, I meant to mention this earlier, that Lumberjanes comic is completely it's completely done by women, like. All aspects of it—the the the editing, the writing, the drawing, the publishing—the like every single aspect of that book is is uh, just a, a woman involved in it, and it's so cool. When I told the girls that, they were like, "I saw this smile on their face, like, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. That could be us someday." So really neat.
1: Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about using comics for social change. Um, all three of these texts are books that challenge in some way um, our ideas about you know social involvement. Um, the Silence of Our Friends takes place during the uh, Civil Rights Movement, uh, and it's centers primarily on uh, these two families, white and African-American, uh, who move into the same neighborhood and they, they interact with one another. Uh, the quote comes from um, Dr. Martin Luther King quote, I believe it's him, uh, where, you know, it kind of talks about the idea of you know if people remain silent. I mean I, that's the big uh, problem uh, that we face when we are fighting for social change. Stuck Rubber Baby was a book I found an accident. Uh, it's really cool book about the intersectionality between um, the African American civil rights movement and the involvement of homosexuals and uh, gays and lesbians in that same uh, uh, movement. And, and when you think about it, when you read this book, you go, oh yeah, Bayard Rustin was huge in the Civil Rights Movement. Doesn't get much due at all because of his sexuality. Uh, and this book really does a good job of combining those two and just giving people an, an idea of, that we didn't even know about the Civil Rights Movement before, or at least I didn't know about before I read this book. Um, and March is a book that my freshmen are reading right now. And uh, they finished it in like two days. <laughs> and they're mad at me because I didn't put book two on their their Kindles yet, Um, but it's single-handedly the book that made me go, okay, I I can teach about civil rights easily here, mainly because it puts you right there. I mean, it puts you right into the middle of civil rights movement, Um, and it's the autobiography of Senator John Lewis. Senator John Lewis chose to write his autobiography as a comic because he remembered when he was a kid, the thing that got him into the civil rights movement was a comic called Martin Luther King Jr. and the Montgomery... uh, Montgomery story, and it was just a comic pamphlet that taught people how to protest nonviolently. He remembered well if that got me into it when I was a kid. I think my book could get kids into thinking about social change as well. Um, Did you all want to add something to this?
2: I, I picked up *The Silence of Our Friends* just kind of randomly at a convention, and I brought it to my classroom. And I've had, like, my open library in my classroom. I think I've had like five kids read that book already this semester. And and they keep asking for it. Like who's got who's got the silence mm-hmm. of our friends? That book, the art is the art's magnificent too. And and the art kind of draws you in. The story draws you in. And it, it's intense. Um, it's 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 such a good story. That's the only one. And, I, and I'm going to get March from you. He's
1: the same artist uh, who drew March as well, Nate Powell. Oh yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I, I, it's it's a
1: fantastic book. Um, there's another book that's really. Um, you can go to the next slide. Mark. Uh, that I just read yesterday. I've been meaning to read it forever. And I finally read it yesterday because I knew I was coming here and I wanted to get this read to be able to talk about it. And I'm so glad I did. It's called Priya's Shakti. Now here's what's great about this book, number one. It's free. If you go to PriyaShakti.com, you can download the book. You also have an augmented reality app that goes along with the book. And Here's what's amazing about this book. It, it's, it's a book um, that centers on a young lady who was sexually assaulted uh, in India and uh, she prays to her, her gods, uh, and I'm not going to attempt to say them because I don't want to uh, insult anyone, the names of their gods. Um, I'm going to say it, Parvati, I'll try it. And uh, they come down and, and judge men and the men who did it harshly, and they judge mankind harshly because of it. Uh, but in the end, Priya's um, courage to stand up and speak her truth is what saves mankind. Uh, that's a really interesting story, but the purpose of this book is what's the best thing. Uh, this book is available for free because they want to change how we look at sexual assault in this society, and specifically in India. Um, they wanted to use it as a tool to teach about the equality of, of genders there, and one of the big messages that's repeated throughout the motif, that's repeated throughout, is the idea that women are just as much a gift in our society as men are, and um, I just thought it was amazing. The augmented reality piece is great because you get to watch these interviews from these women who survived these terrible things and they're using this platform to spread their stories in the hopes that their stories will change the way we see victims of sexual assault. And then the people who wrote this book now go into classrooms and schools and they teach students how to use comics to um, communicate their own truths as well. I can't say Enough about the people behind this project. I think it's amazing what they're doing with this book.
2: Does the augmented reality part happen like as you you just like click a link when you're reading it on the?
1: There's a a panel or a last page in the book that if you have the app, you can hover over that page, and then a video will play of their um, of their interviews. Uh, And it's it's powerful, man. I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to get that into my classroom, because I mean, anything that's free, teachers love to take. And then secondly, it's such a powerful uh, tool, I I just, I'm gonna make it work if Mm -hmm. I can, you know? Mm -hmm. This is the idea of the the work we still have to do. Um, We're all like citizens of this community, and I think we can say that although things have been changing, there's still a ton of problems. Just today when I just got here, I sat down to join Eric and uh, Claire for coffee and I open up my phone and there's this huge story about an editor at a prominent uh, comics publisher who has a history of sexual harassment. And one of the people that he approached is not being quiet and she's speaking up about it. The issue that people are facing right now is that some people are being quiet about it because they don't want to get fired. They don't want to lose their jobs. And it's, it's uh, a community that I care so much about. And to see that sexual harassment is a problem angers me uh, we, we go to cons all the time and there are women uh, and men who who dress up in their favorite character and uh sexual harassment in that community is a huge deal like the, to the point where there are cons that have to post harassment um, policies uh, and the big one is you know cosplayers is not consent meaning there were guys out there taking pictures of women without asking them and when women would you know not want to be photographed they would harass them and it's I never saw it happen, and from a place of privilege, it was easy for me to say, well, it's not happening. But when I heard these stories, it it made me so sad that I was a part of this community that this was happening. So that's one of the things I think we definitely have to work on. Uh, And Claire, you talked to the um, disability piece as Mm -hmm. well.
3: I think there's still uh, plenty of work to be done to make sure that all of our students um, are able to find themselves in the comic, in, in comics or graphic novels in a positive way. I think there's been a lot uh, of new additions to uh, to the literacy circle um, that's adding those um, those types of characters into our stories, characters who, um, who aren't just understood by their disability alone. I think there's still plenty, and I think we think there's still plenty of uh, work to do in that area to make sure um, that they're really, is a large variety of, of character types um, and that we don't use tired tropes over and over and over um, when they don't represent our population well.
1: There's also the issue of while there's character representation, there's not always creator representation. So what we're running into is that there are a ton more uh, female characters and uh, characters of different races and even there's they're bringing in more <laughs> characters with disabilities and all that kind of stuff. But the people who are writing those stories are not of any of those groups. So we're, we're, we're finding books like uh, Strange Fruit that's written about, um, it's about, about slavery and there's a cool twist in there, but it's not written by African-Americans. Um, which isn't a requirement, it just, there, there's a really a lack of hiring of, of those different voices out there and that, that's kind of the, the thing we have to definitely work on. This uh, community.
2: Didn't we just have that conversation uh, about the Marvel variants, the hip hop variants? Because Marvel's doing like yeah. 50, 30, 50, I think it's 50 variant covers in the month of October, and they're all like plays off of classic hip hop album covers. And the first ones just started coming out last, uh, yesterday. Yesterday was because yesterday was the first Wednesday in October. And some of the variants had started coming out, but there was a backlash because, you know, a lot of the community was like, well, you're putting out all of these hip hop album cover variants but how many african-american writers do you have at marvel and artists do you have at marvel and it kind of like that article kind of shed a light on, on on what marvel was doing and i think since then they've they've attempted to to make a couple changes there
1: Yeah, because before last week it was zero. The number was zero it was zero zero
2: that's that's absolutely crazy yeah. uh... so there is there is a lot of change that needs to be done uh, in the industry as well. And wow, zero. That, that's crazy. So, you know, and, and it's also the people reading and, and, and the people blogging and having these discussions who need to be more vocal about, about what we need, what change needs to happen. Because if, if the readers out there talk about the changes that need to happen, then hopefully those, those changes will happen as well.
1: So they are taking those steps. Uh, ta Hasey Coates is going to be writing Black Panther. Uh, Tanya nehisi is, has been celebrated recently as being one of the preeminent voices on uh, race in this country, and he's writing the most amazing <laughs> superhero, at least one of my favorite uh, superheroes out there. Uh, that's going to be coming out this spring. Uh, Eric and I just got in contact with a company called Ad Astra Comics, who their mission is writing social justice comics. That's all they do. And there's a comic coming out right now called Drawing the Line, and it's uh, – female uh, uh, or women Indian creators uh, who are just telling their stories. And that, that's really it. It's not all about just you know suffering or anything like that. It's just, hey, here's my story, read it, and, and try to, to, to experience what my life has been like. So I, I, that should be coming out in January, I think they said. They just had a, a Kickstarter, and they just successfully funded it. Uh, and they're probably happy to get this shout out on the internet right now. <laughs> um, so I think they're in like the last day of this Kickstarter, actually. But so they're definitely positive steps being taken. So now's the time we
2: open it up to our amazing audience and ask you guys if you have any uh, questions or comments or comments. Yeah,
1: no, harassment, period, is wrong. And the LGBTQ
2: community, especially, like, even with that community, like, even within communities that people think are being harassed by other communities, mm-hmm. there's actual problems with harassment in that community. As yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, harassment's a problem for everybody.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. Other questions, comments, equipment? Equipment is a question that's a comment. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Usually
2: there's a person who's like, I just have five things to say. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, Okay. Well, I, we thank everybody for, for coming out and we hope that, you know, we shed some light on, on on a topic and some interesting discussion or debate you can kinda take into your personal lives and continue this discussion. We're available for, for questions and comments on the internet whenever you need us and uh, thanks again. Yeah, read more comics.